1: Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Coppola Connections brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsyllibus. On this special bonus episode, we will be looking at the music, whether that is score cues and needle drops from Wes Anderson Films. This Friday, date of release, Sees uh, the release of a new Wes Anderson film in the French Dispatch, so it felt like a perfect time to have a little look back and see something that always seems to be a talking point in Wes Anderson films, and that is that is the music. It's uh, it's it's always it's always something that um, I don't know, a lot of discussion goes into whether that is his kind of amazing needle drops, whether it's the Rolling Stones or the kinks or, or whoever but yeah on this uh on this episode i'm joined by adam znady to really go through his top five on both of those categories as well as i uh, put, put it out to the twitterverse and um, social media about other people's favorite cues and needle drops and yeah so we dive into those as well before we get to the the top spots as they were so uh thank you to everyone who sent in their their picks is uh always greatly appreciated when people get involved with the podcast you'll get a lovely shout out when your pick is uh talked about on the pod so um yeah i guess that all that's left to do is to join an academy uh, for privileged kids join um <laughs> a underwater explorers you can you can join a dysfunctional family you can run away as a boy scout you can do whatever but what we can do is make some copula connections Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by a musician, a skater, a marathon runner, a bassist, a synth wizard, a band leader and Wes Anderson fan. You may know him from the Physics House band, The Go Team, or his own solo project, as well as the founder and band leader of the band that is very pertinent to today's chat, Wes Anderson. Of course, that Venn diagram of credits and accomplishments belongs to one man and one man only, Adam Znady. How are you Adam? I'm doing
0: very well thank you. That was a delightful intro. You've uh, you really buttered me up. <laughs> I'm
1: doing good man. How well, are you doing? I'm very, I'm very well. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be kind of having a deep dive into the music of Wes Anderson and kind of picking your brain. Uh, as somebody who is in, is in the trenches of, of studying the, the scores of Wes Anderson films, uh, I just wanted to know like where did the idea for wes banderson come from so
0: um i literally just wanted to i guess this is kind of a i would suppose a jump ahead to probably what i would have said a little bit later on but um this i did i basically wanted to do a live version of the ping island track uh, ping island mm-hmm. lightning strike and i wanted to do that for ages uh with all the outfits and uh, just do just do one video session genuinely for my own amusement and then, <laughs> and then I, and then after like about two years of thinking this, I was like, "Wait, hang on. There's probably some kind of demand for me to do maybe more than this and make it into a show." And then it's one of those things where you're just like, "Oh yeah, no, that's pr- that, that, that's actually an idea you could do." So, um, yeah, that was literally it. It's, it's it's like there's a it's a like a one and a half hour show which allows me to basically play one song that I wanted to play for. <laughs> the last three years, but um, but I've always loved the um, the the soundtrack music. I've always been super into it. I, I like a like ten years ago or so, I downloaded you know, downloaded because it's hard to get some of that stuff legally. Um, yes. all the all the soundtracks, like the the scores in particular, um, and I really really got into it. And so I've always loved um the music. So. Yeah, I'm just uh, it's it's really exciting to play some, this stuff live which I I don't think a lot of people or anyone's really covered uh this no uh this breadth of work especially not the um there's, there's been people who've done kind of like the songs as it were mm-hmm. so you know um done uh like the, the, the Stones covers and Van Morrison and you know Nico but I don't think uh, has really looked at the Mark Mothersbaugh um, and Alexander De Platte scores.
1: Well, I yeah, I used to live in Brighton and like I remember yearly there was the like Wes Anderson kind of festival they put yeah. on or there was the White Wall Cinema Club used to put on like the Wes Anderson nights and there would always be like bands playing the hits from the needle drops, yeah. And it, I think that that niche of like, because was is it was there ever a was there ever a thought to be like we could throw in a couple of needle drops here? Because I, I I know there's one in particular that we'll talk about a bit later that I feel like almost urgent, like blurs the line between sound, like very much is in keeping with the score that it's from. Well, that
0: like I would say there are a couple of needle drops in this but they're not going to be um it's not going to be the obvious ones um and whether i'm like absolutely shooting myself in the face by not <laughs> by not doing it i don't know that's to um yeah we'll let the, the the feedback forms uh decide that one but um no i, I just think I, you know, not not to sound disparaging when I say this, but I think like anyone can do a Kinks cover. Anyone can do a Van Morrison cover. Anyone can do a Stones cover. Yeah. Like you can hear that anywhere. But yeah. what I really wanted to do was focus on a lot of the music that wouldn't really have been done or wouldn't have been done to the obsessive level that I wanted mm-hmm. to do it and to the skill yeah. level of the musicians that I've um, I've brought in, and I'm basically, I'm, I'm basically employing my like a bunch of my best friends to <laughs> to perform this for me. Um, and it's, it's it's like an excuse to get like the dream team of all like my favorite musicians together. To and they're all unbelievable players to come and perform yeah. this music, which is actually a lot of it's really difficult, when you don't really think about it because it's so it sits in so
1: well. But there's yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's got pretty tough music. Yeah, it it it, it sounds like somebody who's like very much a kind of hobbyist musician. Like I kind of, I kind of, li- I listen to like the Mark Mothersbaugh stuff and I think like that sounds really difficult. And then the next part of my brain goes, Vampire Weekend, oh, Mark Mothersbaugh, a lot of money for basically their whole career. <laughs> yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah,
1: I, um, I know exactly what you mean. Um, amazing well yeah one last thing before we get into your top fives is obviously as a musician and somebody who's like been in bands how important is that kind of mixture of sound and visuals to you because obviously like when it comes to scores and stuff like that especially like wes anderson films it feels like it's something that is very much thought about and meticulously planned out and obviously being in bands and doing your solo stuff how yeah how do you do spend a lot of time thinking about the visuals that are going to go along with the music that you create
0: yeah i mean it all falls into the obsessive nature that i <laughs> I, I have um that um <clears throat> i've always done the music videos for physics where i'm not with anymore but i always did the music videos um <laughs> i've done my own videos for my project as well um and uh was really uh to put a lot of thought into how aesthetically this is going to look so i've got a friend of mine to do 20 kind of like short looping animations one for each song that's going to be projected behind us and um yeah uh and just with live playing as well like i i i feel that if you're going to see a show you want to see i mean obviously it's dependent on the band some bands you know it's part of their show to like just not move and not perform (laughs) like if like i guess going to see kind of like peak pink floyd who are my favorite band they're not they're not really shaking around they're not really doing much movement but that's part of the whole thing and that that's great but um i think it's really important to take in the and pay attention to that the visual aspect of the performance as well and that's always been a big thing about me like how does it how does it look What what what's the texture of the sound how are they dressed how like how are they set up on stage aesthetically? All yeah. of that, just really, um, yeah. I've got a pretty obsessive uh, eye for that kind of thing. So, uh, so the answer, uh, yes, is <laughs> <laughs> is that. I, I think that covers it. But. Amazing, amazing.
1: Well, yeah, uh, I'll just explain how we're going to be doing this for people listening at home, and that is, we're going to count down, obviously five to one, as top fives normally do, but we're going to bounce between. Needle Drops and Score Tracks. So we're going to do number five of the Needle Drops, number five of the Score Cues and work our way down. And those of you who submitted your kind of honourable mentions and, and your favourites, don't worry, we'll get to them. So, uh, yeah, let's go with your number five of Needle Drops then, Adam. So
0: the first one is uh, Inner Space, or <clears throat> as it is listed on the soundtrack, shark attack theme by uh i think australian swedish composer sven libeck i'm not sure i'm pronouncing his name right apologies to the swedes (laughs) and the australians out there um so this is i mean i absolutely love the the whole kind of like 70s library music um collection so the kpm 1000 stuff all the stuff that's coming out of italy the kind of like orchestral funk so good and this is i guess I don't know if he was living in Sweden or Australia at this point. I think it was Australia. This is something that fits perfectly into that area. It's just like really cool, groovy, um, like uh, library soundtrack music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was it was for a movie called Inner Space, which I haven't seen yet um, to my shame. But I'm guessing it's going to be kind of like a, a Jacques Cousteau-esque, kind of like underwater documentary. But it's just... It just sounds really cool. And it's the first, yeah. I think, one of the first bits of music in uh, Life Aquatic when they show, right at the start of the film, they show the uh, Steve Zizou's um, <clears throat> most recent movie as part of the Loquasto Film Festival. That's the, pers- f- that's the first bit of music that plays. And I remember like, my ears pricking up and being like, I really like that this is a really cool piece of music and <laughs> it's only when doing this project that i kind of delve deep to find out like who Sven Lieberg was and li- listen to his like wider discography and it's yeah it's awesome it's really really cool it's
1: great let, let, let's have a little uh yeah as, mu- as much as i can play on some of these tracks before yeah let's I got to okay. it's the wild west yeah <laughs> What I love about this particular track is the fact that when when obviously you sent it over, I was like, I just assumed that piece of music when I watched the film was a part of the score. And then to find out it was this kind of like beautifully picked piece of library music or kind of like it it belonged elsewhere, like really jumped out to me. I've been like, wow, that's what I love when uh, directors kind of pull out these things from the bag do you know what i mean they kind or, of whether it's like tact- with this one it's kind of an awesome
0: two-pronged thing because not only is it a piece of kind of like pulled out of the bag you know obscure library music but it's also it's within the world of the film so it's like library music yes. that is soundtracking the film within the world of the film and it just speaks so much um so randall poster is the um uh, music supervisor for Wes Anderson, and he's uh, he's the guy who come who I think I I don't know what the split is, but he is responsible for a lot of like the iconic needle drops. He's the guy who put um, mm-hmm. so for wider context, he's the guy that uh, chose Cinnamann to go with the Thomas Crown affair, and that became so synonymous mm-hmm. with that movie. Like this guy is unbelievable at kind of like matching music with film. So him and Wes Anderson are just like a match made in heaven, and yeah, like th- this, this, this tune in particular just grabbed me, and um, I'll take this moment to do a quick shout out to my friend Ash Gardner, who has uh, <laughs> love, who has very kindly lent us a vibraphone to use for the live show because renting a vibraphone is unbelievably expensive. Uh, for the listeners at home, <laughs> should you want to do that, so having a friend who owns one uh, and will provide you with one at a, a short notice is uh, a boon i'll tell you that
1: amazing <laughs> and uh yeah let's well let me play uh yeah a clip from your number five pick uh do you want to yeah what What? what is your number five pick for me uh for Scorpio? so uh,
0: no yeah. number five pick is <clears throat> it's the first uh tune that we released as wes banderson which is the hardest geometry problem in the world and this is from the beginning of um i mean you guys might even know this so i'm not sure it's i need to keep saying exactly where it is but it's at the beginning (laughs) of rushmore where um uh my brain just went dead jason uh jason Jason schwartzman yeah when he kind of has that
1: daydream right yeah totally my i was
0: like jason schwartzman my brain just went jason statham and then um (laughs) (laughs) i was like that would be that would be amazing um yeah they should do a film together i think it'd be great um so, uh, yeah, Jason Schwartzman, who was part of the band that did the OC uh, song?
1: Uh, my, my, my favorite, my favorite uh, little little nugget that I always wheel out on this podcast.
0: It is a, it's, it's a hot nug. Like, yeah. yeah, the the Coppola family just do everything, really, don't they? Yeah, um, I
1: always make the joke that because one of the questions I have on the podcast is, "Who do you like?" You get to pick a member of the Coppola family, and then. But in doing so, you get rid of the filmography or the work of the rest of the family. (laughs) And then when people are like toying between one and Jason Swartzman, I'm like, you also lose California from the OC. Like that Phantom Planet song is just kaput. Like the Phantom Planet just drift off into obscurity because they didn't have Jason Swartzman right in their absolute (laughs) banger. That's
0: very true. I bet it's like immediately, I will will never lose Jason Swartzman.
1: <laughs> well here's the, here's the hardest geometry problem in the world) That, that that feels like a perfect place to pause. That because it sure. See, how, yeah, how would I mean, how would you de- how would you describe the music of Rushmore? Because it it always feels like quite baroque, right? It's like kind of
0: like twee baroque, but like really technical at the same time. Yeah. Like at the end of um, the end of this track, there's this absolutely batshit crazy flute solo, which <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I, I I so um. I I I employed one of the guys in the band uh Miles who's the uh sac ma- uh, the unbelievable musician like multi instrumentalist um he uh I I got him on board to do kind of half the um uh the transcriptions for and arrangements for the project and I specifically gave this one to him because I was like I have no idea what's happening in that piece solo. there <laughs> uh, I've fuck it you work it out um (laughs) and um and yeah it's yeah it it it, it's really funny how it's all it's all very it's a lot like really kind of cute um i would say Mm -hmm. no i mean maybe not cute i'd say it's I i think what's amazing about um mark Mothersbaugh and especially with this score is that he's able to be kind of quote unquote like twee and quite cutesy but it doesn't feel like it's twee and cutesy it's maybe because there's just like there's so many crazy fast bits and i don't know i i I, I wish i kind of thought more beforehand as to why it is but i've always felt that he somehow managed to just sneak it's either making like really twee stuff like super technical or making super technical stuff really twee twee. and yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's it speaks the kind of like i guess maybe the the kind of innocence of max's character to a certain extent it's like the innocence of this boy, but with the kind of insane aspirations that he has to make these like hugely crazily, beautifully staged uh shows. So maybe that's how it's being
1: reflected in the music. Yeah, and, and the kind of like complexity and almost um manicness of being a teenage boy and kind of like, the music some some somehow reflects that in this kind yeah. of like very do you know what I mean? It's it kind of I think in that track, at one point it kind of like builds up and kind of like gets to like a boiling point almost yeah it, it, it kind of felt like that yeah the whole score kind of does that and i always loved there's a story of mark Mothersbauer talking about when he scored uh peewee's playhouse i think it was like the first thing he got asked to like do the score for and <laughs> he was scoring it without realizing that you had to there was like obviously the i'm not sure if it would, it would have been software at the time but like that you could just sync up the music to the visuals basically. And he, he didn't know he didn't have that piece of equipment. So like <laughs> every time he was doing it, he was just like trying to play it like along with it. And so like so people were like, where's the like, where's the kind of like cue points? Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas now <laughs> you would kind of like, you could kind of see it in like, you'd have like that, That bar underneath, like like on iMovie or something, he was kind of doing it the long way around, and I I love that that innocence of like, yeah, totally. He's he's fallen into to making uh, like movie music and. Yeah, another another lovely nug is the fact that he he scored Crash Bandicoot as well. So, that, that, really, I mean, he's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had well.
0: no idea. <laughs> I, I, funnily enough, in in one of those kind of like I'm really tired and I'm just going to go on a YouTube voyage. Um, I ended up watching a half hour documentary on the way that the creators of Bash, Bash Handicoot, Crash Bandicoot, uh, <laughs> hacked the PlayStation to be able to kind of like um like hacked its memory reserves um Mm. to be able to kind of like make a game that shouldn't run on that machine run on that machine um so it's bonkers i mean there's a whole technical thing we can go into but um i recommend you watch but they didn't mention anything about mark Mothersbell, obviously because they're going deep into the tech stuff but that's really cool
1: i had no idea Yeah, I, I, I think like part of it was like handed off to one of his like proteges at the time or something like that, but mm. like he definitely had a big hand in doing that score uh, for nice. that game. Um, and Mark Mothersbaugh perfectly leads us into your number four of Needle Drops, which is ah oh, gut feeling.
0: This is such a good song. This is so it's it's so wild and um, <laughs> so one thing that I really like about it which I think gives into its like, uh, bizarrely cyclical feel is that, um, it's a group of five chords. So as perhaps a lot of, you know, generally any kind of like pop music track is going to be made out of four chords, any kind of like big chorus or verse, it's going to be four chords or four bars. We've got like maybe one chord that goes over two bars and then two chords. This is a cycle of five chords. So it's like it's a little bit weird. There's one extra yeah. there's one extra like section every time the chords go round. And um it kind of it's the bit where uh team Zizu are training on the beach. Um yes. and ultimately leads to uh Owen Wilson's character Ned um uh drowning. Um but then being resuscitated <laughs> resuscitated. Um and it just it just says something about kind of like this team that are really that are barely held together, and they're all kind of living this. They're all living the kind of aspirations of this like narcissistic maniac um, <clears throat> that is uh, Steve Zissou, and it's just it's just such a beautiful track. It go it it gets so wild, um, and I've I've always always like loved it because of just lo- loving how much like e- every time it goes around, another layer gets added as well. So it just it's just this yeah. building crazy piece of music and yeah Devo great band
1: One of the things I love about this song is, is something I alluded to earlier is the fact that it sounds like a piece of music that I, I guess because it is Mark Mothersbaugh is the fact that it it feels like it could be a part of the score in some way in yeah. the fact that like like the use of that like keyboard that comes in and stuff like that it, it feels like that I'm not sure whether that was a track that Wes Anderson said to Mark Mothersbaugh this is the vibe we want for the kind of <laughs> uh the Team Zizu music they're creating. Can you dig out that kind of like keyboard again to get that? I'm not sure how how would you describe that kind of the sound that the the Team Zizu music goes for in the film? Um I mean
0: I would say there's I mean once again it kind of fits in with the the mild aspect of innocence yeah if you like uh, across i mean there there, there are fewer I guess the, the pieces for zizu are uh, I, I guess fewer and kind of quite different across um across the board but if you look at something like let me tell you about your boat let me tell you about my boat right this thing is coming up damn spoiled that one um, <laughs> um a lot of these picks are from the life aquatic because that is my favorite movie and I w- <laughs> and, and i would say uh personally um the uh the best for music, but we can argue that in the forums <laughs> later. Um, uh I think there's there's something about kind of like inflated sense of self-importance yes. that really is a constant across the music in this. It's just like uh just imagining kind of like a really imagine like a like a, a hamster um just kind of like thinking it's like king of the world and like flexing its muscles and being like i'm the best i'm the, i'm the best <laughs> but it's like you you're so you're so cute um yeah i think inflated i think inflated sense of self importance in a very cute way i think is a something that works quite well for this so even even that piece of music is just kind of like it's really driving and it's like let's go and do this thing but it's also just a very weird, like, cute track.
1: What What I love about the, well, the, the all of the music for the Life Aquatic with Steve Suzu is is it's like it's working on like three or four levels because you've got you've got the needle drops, you've got Sue George playing the Bowie covers, yeah. Then you've got the music that Noah Taylor's character is supposedly like composing. Yeah. that is like either piped in through the headsets like making music like because it is a film about yeah. filmmaking right <clears throat> but it's it, it's through this lens of this ragtag band of uh oceanographers and kind of like and it is that thing of like this is this is the this is the nuts team you have to assemble <laughs> to make a movie but i'm gonna make it really fun as opposed to being like a kind of stuffy film set in Hollywood. We're going to actually, we're going to go to Italy. We're going to hire a boat from Africa. We're going to like the, the kind of set stories from that film. I always love when it's like, they would spend all day setting up a shot, and then they'd find out, oh shit, the boat has turned round because we're actually filming yeah. on the sea, <laughs> and now we can see Italy in the background. It's like, well, that's ruined. We're gonna have to like, we're gonna we're gonna have to cool cut, and then like, we're gonna have to yeah, let's let's uh, get back to it tomorrow. Yeah, and then and then obviously you've got Mark Mothersbaugh doing music that is away from that so there's kind of like it's, it's a real like higher wire act of kind totally. of the music balancing on these different levels and it, it possibly is like it gets the synergy of it really right i think in yeah. like the, the i think there's one one film that kind of i don't know perfect like I, yeah some of them really do blur the lines between what is score and what is kind of found music and stuff like that but but this one i think like yeah it's a high wire act of kind of all these disparate elements that kind of fit together like yeah you've
0: got yeah i mean especially given the fact that a lot of times you know you don't really know whether are you watching a film are you watching the film within the film Yes. Like, is this, are we, are we, are we being taken on kind of Zizu's uh, curated narrative here or are we actually watching real life? Yeah. I remember there's one thing that I've only noticed recently where it's at the beginning where Astaban is eaten and I never really clocked this until the time, but there's, um, there's a point where, uh, Zizou is in the, is in the water. He's like screaming like, Astaban, Astaban. And then Klaus says uh, he's got crazy eye, and it cuts to the shot of of him with the red eyes. And I never, really, I never really kind of like twigged in my head, like, oh no, that's they shot that later. So this, yeah. <laughs> so this, so this is actually in the film. In the film, they did uh like he was just afterwards like okay we need to i need to get back in the water and i made make my eyes red and we'll get this shot and we'll edit it into the movie which just adds oh it's so it's brilliant it's brilliant just how yeah, kind of yeah. like hilarity not his best friend has died and he wants to go in and get the shot of him looking like he's got red eye and it's just <laughs> and, and I, I didn't clock that until recently that that was in the world of the film a shot that was set up it's amazing yeah uh.
1: So we're got, yeah we're going to be sticking on the Mark Mothersbaugh train for your number four score queue. Um, yeah, apologies, yeah, guys. So there's
0: a lot of Mark Mothersbaugh.
1: No, no, no. Don't don't apologise. We'll get into the kind of uh, your thoughts on. Oh, if, I think there's a kind of uh, a clear delineation of when. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get into yeah, it. We'll now, get into actually, it. it's like, my show. I, I, can do I my always. One. <laughs> I, I always feel like um, it's kind of. The Life Aquatic of Steve Cizzee for me is very much like when we break through the Rubicon of Wes Anderson, like kind of l- playing in the real world to some degree. And then sure. after, I don't know, I guess the bridging film would be the Darjeeling limited. And then after that, we're very much in the candy box kind of uh, yeah puzzle box world of, do you, <clears> you <throat> know what I mean? Like, shoebox creation of wes anderson where it's like then it's alexander de platt comes in and it's very i don't know the the the, the scores take <clears throat> take on a, a totally different tone totally
0: yeah well i think it's interesting that you say that um uh Dudging limited is the bridging one i can generally i've been kind of like Dudging limited is like the cutoff uh you know up and in, into like it's the last movie within kind of the wes anderson um uh and i said you know we obviously get into this later uh no you know what we'll leave that for now we'll get into that later and we'll go we'll do score stuff until then but that's a really interesting point
1: perfect perfect well yeah the 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 next uh score cue is mark mother's bow with sonata for cello and piano in f minor Innesco? Inesco Inescu. Inescu? i actually don't know i should really know exactly <laughs> but i
0: I just, I just copied it from the thing. I mean, this, but this is, um, so this is one of the pieces that we're doing with the group. And I've actually, uh, I've taken a couple of other pieces and kind of put it together with this to make kind of like an Archer Avenue suite. <clears throat> Amazing. Which is the suite about uh, Archer Avenue, the house, uh, that the fa- the family house, uh, in the kind of fictionalized New York. I actually went to that house. It's in, um, Uh, Harlem um and Amazing. i got a picture outside of it and i lost the picture so <laughs> that's that story but um it, it's it, it is really really beautiful uh in real life as well and so this is the section where we're kind of we're brought up to speed on where the tenenbaum children are now um after i guess yeah the the childhood fame has disappeared and it kind of yeah it takes us gives us kind of a look at what, who and where the characters are at this present moment and it's It's a really cool piece of music. It's kind of um, very, it's like orchestral, but with some flamenco aspects to it. And then it's got like about five seconds of reggae, or maybe even three (laughs) seconds of reggae. And then it goes into this like uh, walking jazz baroque thing. And there's a drum solo. And it's, 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 it's just such... It's such an awesome and this is the thing. I I think what's amazing about um uh this one is there's there's like a, a serious, there's a very kind of like academic seriousness about mm-hmm. this piece of music, which I think speaks really well to the you know, the promise of the Tenenbaum children. And yes. um and but there's like an aspect of kind of like sadness and desperation to it as well, which really does um Mirror just how you know so much promise can be lost from having just such a a negative familial uh, environment.
1: Well, yeah, there's that's like I I feel like your two picks from the Royal Tenenbaums, and we'll get on to the the next one next. Uh, really, really work well to the theory that uh, Wes Anderson is basically what i guess it's my theory i've kind of been thinking about it a lot recently after reading that there's loads of peanuts references yeah, yeah. where's anderson films whether it's like the way max fisher is dressed when he kind of like goes all sad during the winter and is wearing like basically charlie brown's outfit from <laughs> a peanuts christmas or um the use of Vince Granaldi's like music in whether it's O Tenenbaum, like, uh, yeah, O Tanenbaum, which is obviously just tweaked slightly and turned into the Royal Tenenbaums sure. and stuff like that. And it, the characters very much feel like, and I think the Royal Tenenbaums is the most like it, like what characters from Peanuts would be like if they kind of grew up. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you kind of like get that get that throughout them like i don't know like and i think in rushmore you get it because max fisher as much as like the teacher is talking to him she might as well be talking in trombone because he just doesn't listen to her <laughs> rebukes. so just kind of like well i fancy you i'm gonna i'm gonna come after you anyway yeah <laughs> totally it's just like the uh the
0: words kind of bounce off his face and his it's like, like... <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and it's just, he just sees it as something to sharpen his like desire upon um yeah but yeah I, I'll, I'll be be—I'll be perfectly honest with you i haven't really watched peanuts i know I, I obviously i know uh some a bit about it and a bit from uh delving in from the um the O reference and a couple of the score pieces but uh but yeah i'm gonna sit you saying that i'm going to i'm gonna have a little uh go deep dive into that because that's really interesting
1: perfect i'm just gonna i'm just gonna play a little bit more of the sonata on cello and piano uh we've got that we've got the reggae section coming up right here nice Is that to reference when Margot Tenenbaum obviously has like there is that reference in the film that she like uh, had uh, an affair with like a reggae artist and that's married to like married yeah 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 Yeah. she married like a reggae artist like I I, yeah I I love those kind of like little nuggets yeah (laughs) and the the way it kind of juxtaposes in that score is, is is absolutely fantastic and
0: then it just drops into this like baroque walking bass jazz thing
1: yeah it's um it's a fantastic pick man i love i love that um um yeah these the all these picks are kind of uh off the beaten track slightly and we'll well when we get to some of the fat uh, the listener picks we'll we'll hear some of the i don't know i don't think well we'll get into the idea of what is basic and what isn't basic because i feel like in film music that kind of I'm always. It feels like a snake eating its own tail when it comes to how how music becomes like hack and stuff <laughs> like that because of its because of its associate. you know what I mean? Like its association. Like when you look at um, <clears throat> stuff that's in Tarantino movies, it's like it's hack now because it's because it is. But like when you first watch that film, you go, "Wow, that is a that is a great like needle drop." Or whatever. Totally. Whereas like years afterwards you go oh come on oh yeah of course dick Dick dale yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah 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 well that's that's always going to be the thing it's like um things that are revolutionary at a time are going to be feel a little bit kind of um yeah um i'm gonna use the word naff even though i never use it but i think that's probably the most like pg-13 um
1: uh, that that's a really fitting word, you yeah. Know, naff, but naff but but still,
0: like... that's like maybe I, I guess when it's used by when it's used outside of its original kind of fun context, then you can be a bit like, nah, come on, like think of something else. <laughs> but then you hear it in its original context, and it's just like you remember whether it's through um, uh, nostalgia or just because, like, damn, that was a that's a really fitting piece of music for this visual then you do go like this is great but um but yeah when it comes to film music there's um there's a great podcast called composers which i really Mm -hmm. really enjoy and they 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 kind of delve into uh, a different film each week and um i've learned a lot about film music and kind of like my like dislike for hans zimmer has like really uh no i mean not dislike but kind of like wariness <laughs> of him has definitely grown since that him with his like army of ghost writers but um, yeah
1: i re- i I recently listened to a um interview with christopher uh Vandeveer, the the uh the composer of the white lotus and utopia soundtracks kind of um Ooh, I it's like that. a Peruvian like Canadian guy sure. who yeah I'm, yeah I'm not sure if you ever saw the uh, Channel Four show Utopia but this kind of like he kind of does everything himself and the, the HBO show White Lotus has kind of blown up this year and everyone's kind of like been turned on to his music but like in this interview he kind of like said now that that show's blown up like he's got everyone knocking on his door whether it's Disney and stuff like that and like really lays a dig into your hand like the handsomeness <laughs> of the world by being like i don't understand and he obviously does understand he's like i don't understand how these people do so many scores because like i he's like i literally work on one project at a time and then move on to the next so he's like i've just got a blanket refusal on everything at the moment there's
0: a thing hands in we just like farts out a top line and then it's like okay make a score come on yeah yeah on, yeah, yeah, team. yeah. No, he no, he, he's he, he's. I'm um, you know, this is this is a whole other conversation to talk about. Kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but let, yeah. I, slow um, down. It's, it's fun. It's fun to talk shit about Hans Hans Zimmer because he is the rock star of like get, composers.
1: He ain't gonna, he ain't gonna be listed to this. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Hans, I'm sorry. I, please, if is, anyway. Please ha- employ me one day. Ha-
0: please ha- please ha- let me come and work for RCP. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even joking. I, I, I love that so much. But
1: um. Uh, oh, anyway. <laughs> Moving, I will happily be a on. le- one of the legions of ghosts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll, I'll, so... I'll wear a uh, like a collar. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, let's let's uh, yeah, it's October, but let's get a bit festive with it and talk about your number three pick for Needle Drop. Yeah, uh, what is it? Uh,
0: everyone's favorite Halloween song, uh, "Christmas Time Is Here" by Vince Guaraldi, and we kind of touched on it just now, but um, I really like it because it's just. It's just like a, a weird moment of calm. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the film has just been building and building up until this point. And it's just been kind of like laying on, really laying the foundations for kind of what's happening. The whole family's, it's um in the Tenenbaums, uh, the whole family's coming back to the house. It's showing their stresses. It's showing kind of um uh the anxieties of the family. And this... I don't, you know, probably because the the way it sounds, but it's just, it just feels like a, an exhalation. And especially what is also interesting is that I, I don't think it's Christmas time in the, in the movie at this point, (laughs) but for whatever reason, this piece of music is just perfect. It, It really is. It's just so, it's just the, it's the most Christmassy music I've ever heard in my entire life. And it's also just, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful oasis of calm in what has been, like, a real building that piece of cinema up until this point.
1: What, what, I, what I love about this, and I'll I play it, is, is the fact that, like, the kids, like, it's got a kid's choir on it, and it, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that it's, like, kids who can't really sing that great, and there's a kind of, like, charming aspect to it because of, of that. It's melancholic, right? It's really like totally. it is that thing of like it's almost like saying it's a sigh that Christmas is here. It's like <laughs> oh, really Christmas, and yeah, it, it leads us right back to peanuts. It's, um, it's actually <clears throat> um, I don't know. I may, I may be like really outing myself as like a, a, a twee wanker here, but like <laughs> I, I I I own the uh, peanuts Christmas soundtrack on like green vinyl because nice. like I just there's some there's something about and like that uh, yeah the the uh vince Guaraldi like trio music it it's that weird thing where it's like it it almost doesn't fit like a kid's show and it, it's that thing of like it's it feels very like because it's, it's they're a jazz trio right so it's like that thing of like you've got this like I don't know, yeah, like whether it's uh, almost like a jazz boogie-woogie with the kind of, uh, I think it's like the Lucy and Linus theme, the kind of main theme from Peanuts. That is a banger. That's that's, such a good piece
0: of music. (laughs) 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 So good. Oh, man. They must have been like, yeah, we we fucking killed it when they wrote that let's send, the, but, let's send that to them showing them sh- <laughs>
1: showing it to the the showrunners in the room
0: must have been just like yeah you're gonna fucking love this
1: but then they kind of sneak in with like yeah like this melancholic mm. of christmas time is here oh tan and, and stuff like oh tan and, and stuff like that it's like it all that all feels like very like i don't know yeah like dour and i think very much fits the mood of who the Royal Tenenbaums? Here and it's hmm. that thing of, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of. Uh, I need to Google who who the or, yeah is it the same guy who did the um uh, the same music supervisor on Tenenbaums? Yes, as it was, yeah. Or? I
0: think Randall Poster has been consistent throughout all of
1: it. So yeah, let's 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 shout out Randall Poster because right. I think it is that thing that can happen a lot of the times when people go, we'll just go. It's the director. It's the, it's their yeah. kind of record collection. I imagine there is a bit of that, but then there's probably going, well, that piece of music costs loads of money. So like, here's a selection of stuff. That yeah, is, sure. Like in our price range
0: as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it could be kind of down to the reason. Part of the reason we get some kind of you know, frequently deeper cuts from well-known artists within uh, Wes's movies. There might be an aspect of him being like, okay, we can't get you know satisfaction so how about ruby tuesday something that's you know a little bit lower in the the price range but from the same artist and this actually ends up being just like a much better choice
1: he he's got that to contend to and like all of the rolling stones tracks that martin scorsese's played in his movies going like right that's off the list Do you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah. we can't play we can, scorsese's we done have, it yeah yeah yeah. That exactly well. he's like they're just cursing him going oh he's he's used symphony for the devil he's used um i've trying to think there's one it's uh, on the tip of my tongue but like i think it's departed he uses like the same Rolling Stones song like three times and stuff like that. And like, even he's like recycling himself. Um, I bet there's people listening to this going like, it's this song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, uh. Well, your number three pick for, for your score cue uh, weirdly ties into the Royal Bounds because we, we talked about this off, Mike, but there's um the mark Mothersbaugh did something for uh this piece of music which he um he, he took a piece of music from the royal tenenbaums score which is a piece called uh scraping and yelling sounds a bit like this hmm. And what he did with it was he took the notes and kind of transposed them backwards to, yeah, to get your number three pick, which yeah. is <clears throat> Mark Mother's Bows. Let Me, tell, let you me about, tell You About My Boat. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, let's hear that. You, you, you'll, you'll probably be able to pick out if there is uh, any similarities in them uh, more, than, more than I, I possibly can. But,
0: um so i think yeah. what he did he played he he took those here like boom, dip, boom, dip, dun, dip dun, 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 dun. excuse my horrible <laughs> uh, eternal uh, singing voice um and yeah played it like what got, flipped the flipped it around so the notes are going backwards as to where they would be and then sped it up to get these like beautiful <laughs> like quick runs i think that's what it is but yeah it's such it's such a fun um uh yeah, we can we can just hear it. Yeah, it's
1: that kind of like. Uh you'll probably be able to tell me like what it is that plays it but that like kind of quick runs so we get the yeah. so it's like a different it's instrument like, each
0: time which, which 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 fits into his thing of doing like very kind of fun playful like innocent kind of music
1: but just making it really hard to play oh yeah almost like messing about with the idea of mo- like obviously in a film you'll get like a motif whether it's like uh, erio marconi might have like a kind of motif and then it's played on a guitar at one point in the score, and then later on you'll get it played on a trumpet, yeah, like a, a slower tempo. Here he's like, "I'm going to play with that idea of motif, and then just kind of go. I'm going to give you on each bar, <laughs> each time it, it loops around on a different instrument, to kind of mess mess about with. it. Like, Have we got any more instruments here? Do, fucking,
0: can you, <laughs> yeah. you convey the harmonium? All right, okay, okay, bang out on the harmonium now. All right, one, two,
1: and. I th- I think from like no it, like I remember years ago, so this might be a bit patchy, but Mark Mothersbaugh. I remember getting the like two disc edition of the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, like from HMV or something like that. Kind of taking a punt on it just because of that striking cover. And he talks about the way that he recorded music for it is kind of uh, very different to I guess how a lot of composers do it because he he recorded. A lot of his scores in the way that you would record a band. I'm not sure if you know, but like he would record it a kind of like piece by piece, as opposed to like getting all the players in the sure. room. And I guess that's down to financially as well. It's kind of a bit more viable, like getting. Do you know what I mean like one one cellist <clears throat> as opposed to to several or whatever? Totally. Also, with um when you're
0: getting an orchestra in to play music, you depending on the funding that you have generally it's difficult to have them you have to have them learn all the music uh well actually all the time they don't don't learn it they'll they will come in and perform it sight read on the day and what you're really trying to do is get the best possible performance of that music within the time that you have because you've got Mm -hmm. you know let's say 40 50 i'm not um not an expert in the orchestral world but you've got a lot of musicians and you're paying for all those musicians' time on a day rate, and to pay them to rehearse beforehand is also paying for their time on a day rate. So it's a hell of a lot of money to get that many musicians to absolutely nail your piece in the session, and very frequently what you're doing is you're basically getting the best possible version of it on the day as opposed to getting a perfect version. So... Uh, in terms of money it's a bit it, it's definitely cheaper to kind of like layer that stuff up um and also perhaps you perhaps you lose you know this isn't this isn't the film that wants this like grand sweeping kind of like john williams-esque score it's all it's it's very um uh what's the word it's um it's quite uh close intimate if you will um, so it doesn't, it doesn't really want you to have a giant kind of like chamber or a giant kind of, you know, symphony, uh, orchestra. Um, but yeah, it would make sense. I mean, him coming from a band perspective, it would make sense yeah. for him to kind of record it, you know, layer by layer, instrument by instrument and build it up in that way. Especially because of how kind of like fun and weird and cute like this, that that track in particular is.
1: Um. Uh- like it all feels quite close and quite kind of like intimate yeah. and small I think that score might be the the perfect in like getting the right man for the job in the fact that kind of his like what what it sounds like his approach to creating music feels very much in keeping with the tone of the team ZZ themselves in that kind of like well don't quite know e even having like been in the game for. I guess at this point, maybe like ten like over ten years, like doing scores. Mark Mothersbaugh is still like going, well, let's try and like piece it to get. Let's try and get like an orchestral sound, but like all I know is how to do record bands. So let's do it like that, and sure. that's very much like in keeping with the way that Team ZZ do it. And yeah, of course, that 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 piece of music is beautiful, and I guess is like from. One of the most iconic moments from that film,
0: right? Yes. Looking at the cross section of the Belafonte, which is absolutely beautiful. And it's just, it's one of those beautiful parts of the movie as well, which is like, are we, is this the film or is this the film within the film? Where, yes. uh, where, 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 where is the overlap here? And,
1: or or, or, or is there a third layer where we've kind of stepped out of the film entirely and it's almost like, He's broken the fourth one. Yeah, yeah. You're an audience watching this. Yeah, it almost turns into like this, this play and those kind of, any scene that's done in those cross sections, I think we get that amazing scene later on in the film where it kind of like, it's almost like a contained play where you've got people like, you've got Steve and Ned having that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking throughout. And you've got, um, Kate Beckinsale's character, uh, not Kate Beckinsale. You've got Kate Blanchett's uh, character. Yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett's character following them. And then you've got everyone doing all this stuff in the different rooms. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it just feels like you're watching like Masters at work, but could be an amazing, I would watch like, uh, a life aquatic like uh stage production which just all took mean, like, place like, so. on
0: that cross section of the belafonte yeah 100 yeah, yeah
1: definitely <laughs> yeah. like yeah i, I get that's the, that's the that's the natural next step for wes banderson right you'll be the you guys will be the house band for the uh a uh, life aquatic uh musical that we're gonna we're gonna pen right after recording this i would love this that. episode yeah, yes yes of course yeah <laughs> no
0: i'm I'm, re- I'm ready i'm uh yeah i have I have no need for sleep. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's interesting that I, I can see that being something that he does eventually, some kind of stage play. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, 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 that scene, you're right, that scene is really beautiful. I guess it's just, you're weirdly taken into a weird breaking of the fourth wall that, you're right, is not part of the movie or the movie within the movie. It's almost like a bizarre infomercial. That's yeah. halfway <laughs> that just kind of <laughs> cuts in, Peter. But
1: but perfectly invites you to become a like a member of the team yourself. yes Spin. Like sh- like you're l- al- al- yeah, almost like it's a kind of like um orientation video of being like, This is where you'll be going for your spa breaks. This is where you'll be going if you need like <laughs> yeah to find Klaus, this is where you'll be going to prepare your meals, and it's like yeah. that's when, as a fan, you go oh, I just, I, I want to run away and join this ragtag bunch and be, live on this ship for the rest of my days.
0: Yeah, totally, and that, that, that's so true, like, if you join if you're about to join the crew, you get that VHS and that's part of the VHS but <laughs> your, yeah, your orientation um, Perfect but Yeah, uh, so I guess next is uh the next needle drop
1: yes which cue cue us up and yeah this this perfectly leads on to that that idea we were talking about of kind of like this is from the film that kind of is the stepping stone between the real world into wes anderson land sure or i so that's an interesting one
0: to to think about for me I would say that this is kind of the. I, I would say this is like the final movie in Wes Anderson, like version one, as it were. Or maybe maybe you could call Bottle Rocket version one, and then Rushmore on onwards version two. I don't know if you want. We, we could argue about this for ages, but um, <laughs> but for me, I think this is the last movie where the um the tonal shift that I found uh from um fantastic mr fox onwards was a shift from i would say character focus to plot focus um where suddenly because up so so for the films up until uh darjeeling limited like the stakes are pretty low for everything yeah like what the, the worst possible thing that could happen is that steve zizou might not make another movie yeah, obviously, ob- yeah. obviously, yeah. there's 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 the there's the suicide uh, moment in um, uh, well, the kind of attempted suicide moment in Tenorbaums, but still, I would say that's a very that's a very personal stake as opposed to kind of like big stakes. It's not like oh, the meteor is going to destroy the world kind of thing. No, I I, 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 I think, think everything up until that point is all the stakes are quite personal um, to the people involved.
1: And it's centered around like a a core cool group of people. Yes, do you know what I mean whether it is it is Max Fisher and the kind of Rushmore, the the place and the kind of inhabitants? If it's the Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. the family and the kind of people surrounding them, or yeah, Team zoo or we, yeah, or, or the the three brothers. Yeah, we feel know? like I, I would say it
0: feels like you're stepping you're stepping into a little slice of these people's lives and that and that and that's it that's that and that's it you've kind you've come in at a certain point where a lot of the time it, it, you come in at, i guess like a transitional moment in their life but it's not you know it's not like um uh if z if zizu doesn't find the jaguar shark the jaguar shark's going to terrorize the beach forever it's not like jaws uh or the, you know there's no there's no big stake so it's really just kind of character studies ultimately i would say um but I think from um, Fantastic Mr. Fox onwards, here's suddenly where you get some where we start looking at driving plot, like a you know where we're kind of like pushing forward. Okay, um, there's you know the whole the, the the whole community is is being threatened by uh, by the farmers. They have to move. Yes, They're, it's being dug up. Uh, what are they going to do? They won't be able to eat. It's just, this, suddenly and then I don't know, you move on to. Um, uh Moonrise Kingdom where it's uh Sam is going to be taken away by social services um and I think I think it's social services um so you know if (laughs) so he has to run away or else you know he's going to be taken away and that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big thing and then you get you know um uh Grand Budapest Hotel where suddenly it's the it's, it's this kind of like uh, Nazi Germany kind of um, uh, analog as well, yeah. uh, and so there's these like big kind of there's, the, the plot is moving. There's I would say there's gags to kind of like keep people keep the attention going, and um, I would say that I understand that you know the movies Fantastic Mr. Fox onwards have given a given Wes Anderson i would say like a a greater financial reward i would say a wider viewership and um uh, the um and, and I, and I guess like maybe more critic mainstream critical acclaim because the because the, mm-hmm. the, the the critical like response to life aquatic and Dijing Limited was not great which Baffles me completely, mm-hmm. but it's because it's not. It's like for a lot of people, it's just not relatable. It's like well, I don't. I don't care if this guy doesn't make his like his uh his wildlife movie. Why do Why do I care? I don't care if these guys don't kind of meet their mum or uh, they're just trying to work out their dynamic as brothers. And then people, you know, and then people start focusing on kind of the uh the aesthetics and being like, oh, he's just using aesthetics to cover over kind of like blank stories. Or kind of, like, emotionless characters. Whereas I think it's... I don't know. I I find the movies... And this is bad from someone who is trying to get people to pay money to come to a Wes Anderson-based show. So I'm, (laughs) once again, shooting myself in the face. Um, But uh, I definitely feel that for all their visual, like, splendor, I think there's some... uh, soul or the the melancholic like personal beauty that was in the movies up to dodging limited has kind of gone like the magic as it were and it's been replaced with something yeah. that's aesthetically beautiful you can't argue with that whatsoever but doesn't really i would say pack the the emotional punch of the earlier movies mm-hmm. uh so Definitely. yeah that, thank you for coming to my ted talk but
1: no what what that like i think talk about the darjeeling limited is a very interesting one when it comes to music as well because this is the one where mark mother's has stepped away and this is like the kind of no man's land of composers because it's a score entirely made up of whether it's like bollywood music or or kind of (laughs) basically like kink songs and, and the token uh, Rolling Stones track yeah. and then obviously it closes on
0: your pick which is it is uh, Champs Elysees by Joe Dessin
1: Je me sur l'avenue <laughs> Le coeur ouvert à of all the picks that you could have had from the Darjeeling limit what is it that kind of stands out about this song to you like why did you want to talk about it today i wish i i would think i've
0: been thinking about this to try and really identify why i like this song so much i mean i really like 60s french pop um mm-hmm. i like a lot of french pop in general i think they've got um the not to kind of generalize but i think there is a sound that i Wish I could tell you or well, it's it's this that um kind of French pop and French music has, which just it sounds very unique to itself um there's something there's it's it's almost like it's almost like a bawdy tavern song um mm-hmm. that kind of really signifies like coming together at the end yeah, yeah. um and especially after i guess you know you've got a film with three uh three relatives three brothers who are really just trying to figure out who they are and who they are to each other in the face of uh the death of their father and kind of this i guess like the spiritual death of their mother because their mother's abandoned them uh again um there's something beautiful about this being a very kind of like coming together kind of like drinking song um yeah. <laughs> which kind of really in quite like a beautiful like mirthful way ties together this a like, pretty difficult movie um mm-hmm. and I wish I and you know I wish I could I still don't know exactly why it 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 um uh it resonates with me to this extent but I just think it's such such a beautiful piece of music to end uh end the movie with, and it's uh, yeah,
1: yeah, and obviously the song is uh a cover right of uh waterloo Road by jason crest oh well. oh, so i did not know that damn yeah apparently so let's let's uh let's see if we can we can find that jason <laughs> crest Ooh, here we go, oh top one here we go. Walking down the street today, I saw a girl across the way. I asked her where she's going, and she said, Come with me. She took me down this avenue where I met the folks she knew, and there we stopped and chatted. And we passed the time away. Down Waterloo Road.
0: (laughs) Down Waterloo Road. Oh man, it's a bit too like George Formby for me.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of like, but it, it speaks to your thing of like an East End pub, like kind of piano. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It exactly. has got that thing of like, do you know what I mean? Everyone's got their kind of like flasks of ale, kind of join in with the chorus Chaz and Davy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now, uh, come on now, you yeah. lot. Come on, lot. it's all down Waterloo Road. Come on, cigarette in the hand,
0: beer got- in the other hand, yeah. just like yelling. <laughs> Beer yeah. going everywhere,
1: beer flying all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but, it's very much got that vibe. But like, but the French I've, version seems it seems
0: way that. more kind of like refined and yeah,
1: slim cigarettes and an espresso yeah. on the go. <laughs> right, like kind of totally. Yeah, like it's it's, it's got a bit more class. Yeah. To it. I, I, but like, I I I love that about these kind of uh, needle drops and stuff like that when there is this um thing of like could have gone like it's got the it's got the spirit of that original song but kind of like and it perfectly t- obviously ties the the film into depending on how you watch it i know like uh places like the prince charles cinema whenever they screen the Darjeeling limited always have the um short film the hossevelo yeah at the beginning and it, it 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 ties it right back into that and obviously there's talk throughout about um jason schwartzman's character and how he like came straight from france and stuff sure. like that so like and it, it yeah it is it, it it leaves it open to where they're gonna go next yeah and this this togetherness that they feel and yeah it's a it's a, i i love it whenever that like this for 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 whatever reason if there's something about like the kind of uh even even like the the Bollywood like tracks on the Darjeeling soundtrack, it's the one soundtrack I go back to a lot of. Yeah, same. Uh, Sanderson's. It's, 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 I kind of skip over that. Um, uh, what's like, where do you go to my lovely? Just because like, uh, <laughs> like the brothers and the the fact of Jason Swartzman's like incessantness to play. It, <laughs> it's kind of like gr- grating on me. <laughs> that's, uh,
0: I, I love that song. That is like. Fucking like hype up <laughs> for sex song. It's like you know, it's, it's that thing where you know, um, I I do it so much when you're you're driving, you're about to pick someone up, and you just like you skip back to the start of the song that you want to yes. them to listen to when you get in the car. I'm listening to this. Um, I think I've probably actually done that with that song before, but um, but once again, that that's that that's, that's a song. It's very much I think it's an uh, I think it's an English singer, but it's all about kind of like someone who two people who live in france who live in paris i believe uh so something that ties again once again into the, the parisian thing uh one thing about um joe descend the joe Dassin track uh, which I, i'm thank you for showing me the original that has blown my mind it once again <laughs> i think it once again speaks of how interesting and how great the choices are for wes anderson like needle drops because there's always some kind of I feel there's always some kind of interesting story or some some it always pushes you to dig a little bit deeper. Um, uh, whether it's kind of like oh, this is from an album by a band that I know really well, but I've never listened to this before. Or um, but uh, I I used to run uh, co run a uh, a night in Brighton like a uh, like a club night, and I would always finish my set like three in the morning with that song. And for some, <laughs> I think i guess because it's such a bawdy drinking song it would be kind of like a clear out thing because a lot of people would be like ah jesus christ i'm done but there would be the people who (laughs) were like the group who would be kind of arms around each other just kind of bobbing around to it um yeah Yeah. i always felt like a good closer for um for a dj set
1: it's definitely it's got that kind of thing you can sway out into the night and kind of like go on your journey wherever that may be yes and it's kind of the other perfect song to soundtrack that. absolutely so, um well th- yeah i guess now we get to we get to have a little bit of a chat about uh on uh, andre desplat with uh, your number two pick for the score and that is Adam. that
0: is the heroic weather conditions of the universe part one a veiled mist so i thought that um i could have probably picked another uh, mark mother's track for this. But <laughs> I thought it would be good for me to throw a bone to uh, Alexander De Platt. Um, not, beca- not because he's not a great composer. He's 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 unbelievable. Uh, his, his soundtrack, his score for the, I think it was like 2014 um, uh, Godzilla movie is awesome. Like really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see that and being like, Jesus, this is... <laughs> it's like seven this is amazing um and i realized there was actually of a it was actually a, a redo of the original Godzilla soundtrack from i think the 60s which is un unreal but uh but yeah, yeah i thought it'd be good to include to, to not completely exclude him and this is a really cool track um it it's one that will be we, we will be doing live um i think it's just kind of the the nature of how it's just so looped and how the tension yes. is kind of like built slowly slowly up and things are brought in and then taken away again and i'm not i'm i'm to be honest i'm not really that much of a fan of the stuff that he's done there's a couple of tracks here and there that i really like and i mean they're the only ones i've included in our live set uh <laughs> um the, the but um but there is something really cool and interesting about about this one and i just love the kind of the the looped aspect of it um
1: the version of it which i'm going to play now is one that's only on the soundtrack but um very much ties into something that happens throughout the the score of well no the the needle drops in uh, moonrise kingdom is they got the young actor, uh, Jake Ryan, who plays Susie's younger brother, Lionel, to do a kind of Benjamin Britten-style yeah. like, introduction. So, yeah, here's, here's, here's him doing that for this, this track. Now we will demonstrate the orchestration of Mr. Desplat's musical suite. A little electronic metronome
0: sets the time. First, a harp. Next, pizzicato cellos, flute, and piccolo. Electric guitar.
1: (laughs) It's really cool. I got to give it to him. That is really cool and it, and it very much speaks to that um that idea of like how what you were saying of like how the the bits come in and it like this this piece of music for me really does like set about an idea of i don't know like an impending like doom yes. that this film yeah, play, yeah. plays with with that kind of like a storm is literally coming and like it, it kind of feels like well yeah all the tracks share this same dna throughout them it's it's not really it doesn't really shift too much it all kind of like he's like i've this is my toolbox of instruments and i'm just going to play with them and very much play around a similar theme right? yeah
0: totally like i think i think all the de platte stuff in this is a kind of variation of that piece um once again there might be people screaming at their um whatever they're listening to this on but uh but as far as i can remember yeah it's all kind of variations of this um alongside some really beautiful like benjamin Britten pieces of music and like a couple of non-orchestral needle drops um there's the french pop uh tune on the beach and there's the Collija song as well um the kind of like country uh rambling kind of piece um
1: yeah and we you get a couple of like uh hank williams songs right that's kind of like um signifies bruce willis's sure, character yeah. uh officer sharp like that's, that sounds perfect cause obviously what he's known as like the kind of the sad cowboy and it's kind of that encapsulates that character sure. perfectly
0: it's a really um, good role for so, bruce
1: willis in this as well like i really, really <laughs> enjoyed uh Arguably two thousand and twelve was the last great year for Bruce Willis, and I'm gonna stand by that. Oh geez. Man, is this the Bruce Willis uh spin-off podcast in the works? Oh no, Matt. Like it's it's an ongoing theme on the podcast. I always <laughs> say that Bruce Willis Bruce Willis doesn't get the flack. Or well, Bruce Willis, yeah, doesn't get the flack that Nicolas Cage gets, basically. Like everyone like says like Nick Cage phones it in and has been doing loads of shit, and it's like Bruce Willis is actually doing shit, and it just <laughs> turns up for roles. He's like, but I think, like, but I think you, he's you doing up, it. He's
0: doing it under the radar. That's the thing. I think with Nick Cage, he's he's you know a, he's doing some like spicier cuts, which bring which yeah, which yeah, exactly. brings him to people's attention. Like I, I I I I love Nick just because this is a Nick Cage podcast. We can talk about him for a bit. I love Nick Cage. I. there's there's some stuff where i think okay i i don't know what you're thinking when you did this but i guess you've done it but he is someone who when there is a director who knows how to use him he is incredible and it's just being able to put him in the right situation but um Mm -hmm. i can understand with uh what, what would you say is um bruce willis's
1: last uh film of of uh of repute I would say it's a, like twofold of Moonrise Kingdom and Looper. They were like the last two interesting ah, things he did.
0: Looper, yeah, I I, I watched that, but I, I can't remember. I don't remember being too taken with it. But um,
1: okay. I I just think they were, like they, they were interesting. And I know he like crops up in Motherless Brooklyn, which is uh, directed by Edward yeah. Norton, which like again feels like something that possibly came out of the fact that they would have met each other on the set. Sure of moonrise kingdom but like apart from that he's in like a film called kill hard and it's like you're in films that are rip off (laughs) titles of like your biggest hit like you can't do that bruce Uh, how much they're paying me and (laughs) no exactly and to your point of nicholas cage i've said it on this podcast and i always love to share this um kind of summation of what nicholas cage is like, uh, and the directors he works with, Daniel Noah, the uh, film producer who produced Mandy and Colour Out Space mm. when he was on this show, said that Nicolas Cage is like a garden hose. <laughs> and like, you need you need that right director to to hold onto it. Otherwise, if they don't hold onto it, the, the hose will just kind of spray water all over yeah, the garden yeah, sure. and just kind of be unwieldy. Whereas if you can hold that garden hose correctly, you can water your plants and have a beautiful bouquet of flowers at the end of it. And it's like that is Nicolas Cage in a nutshell yeah. to me. It's like, yeah. He he work, he he and it's that thing. He just puts all his chips on the table every film. And that's sort of like if like it, it ties back into the Coppola family with like Francis Ford Coppola and the fact that like every film feels like he's on the verge of like, I'm going to go back <laughs> it, Let's just like, let's just put all the chips on the table and see what happens.
0: That's good. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that is 100% true. Like I'm, I think, it, I think it's, in, it, it is beautiful. Just, I guess the, we'll, we'll probably have to uh, turn away from Nick Cage for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think <laughs> it is true that he is really, he is bringing something to the cinematic performance that, no one else is really doing and sometimes it's that's the thing when you're doing something that no one else is really doing sometimes it's going to be good sometimes it's going to be bad it's depending on kind of like you know you're going to have a hit or miss rating and the people your collaborators in that moment are going to be the ones who are helping you steer towards um something great or something you know not great or at worst forgettable
1: exactly um well Talking about collaborators i just wanted to talk about yeah i put it out to the listeners of this show and kind of friends of the podcast to kind of come in with some of their like favorites and i'm, I'm not going to play all of them or 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 if any of them but like kind of like shout out a couple of like picks that, that that people um gave and if there's any honorable mentions you've got before we get to the number ones uh feel free to shout them out sure. Adam. but um let's hear let's hear let's hear some jeanette yeah, we got um, Jeanette Barr from the Sudden Double Deep podcast. What up, Jeanette? You said uh, <laughs> she's got a, um, a a real fondness for the Jarvis Cocker uh, track that appears in Fantastic Mr. Fox, the kind of like dopey, Ooh. peaty yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: Someone uh, that's like, it's bad songwriting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: you know, lazy songwriting. Is that it? I think so.
1: I think, yeah, 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 uh,
0: oh. No it. It's lazy somewhere. <laughs> 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 that's good. That's a fu- that's a good joke. And
1: the- there's, um, yeah, there's like, there's something interesting. The thing I love about in that sound, I think it's, uh, the Bell Ives tracks that appear in that, like, um, oh, it's like whooper, fooper, Dooby doo or something like that. Like the kind of like, it's kind of sounds like these old American songs, mm that kind of crop up in fantastic mr fox which i find like feels very weird (laughs) because it's obviously like a very quaint british story and then you you got you got george clooney as as a fox yeah yeah it's all it's all kind of mismatched um yeah let's rattle through some of these i've I've got to play this one just because like it kind of it is a perfect end track to a film and it's uh ooh la la by the oh, faces yeah, that's, this, this got a couple of shout outs
0: the first time we get that ending slow-mo
1: uh kind of thing yeah so yeah this was shouted out by uh alexander cronenberg and daryl bear who kind of said like it it really both of them have said like it it kind of uh what alexander said uh pairs the visuals perfectly and offers a needed dose of sentimentality to what's been a cold film which I, I agree with like Rushmore and I spoke about it on the kind of deep mm. dive episode I did on it. it is like one of those films that when you look back on it it's like it's a bit it depressing feels like it's yeah. yeah and it's it's it you can look at it through different eyes depending on when you watch it Like when you're a teenager which I imagine for a lot of us kind of millennials it would have been that thing of like Oh, Max Fisher like is not aspirational, but like you kind of understand his plight. But then watching it through adult eyes, you're like, he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally, he's. Um,
0: <clears throat> it is, it is just a couple of. It's really about two very desperate men, desperate, sad men yeah. at different stages of their life. So it is. It 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 is One really more... beautiful to end with that song to kind of yeah. To give that catharsis, uh, okay. but yeah, shout out to yeah. Uh, um, thank you, Mr. Cronenberg and Mr. Bear, both good names. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just assumed you are both men. Sorry,
1: that was. They are. They are. Yeah, yeah. Um, there. So we got yeah Rachel who uh, said, I don't know, I got I got to agree with this. These days by Nico, in the Royal Tenenbaums. Which... I mean,
0: you can't. It, it's it's undeniable. I mean, I didn't choose it because I thought it would be quite. Uh, an obvious choice, not in, to not diminish the choice whatsoever. But yeah, I mean that, that is unbelievable. And the, with the, the sailors coming out behind uh, it's, it's, ah, it's so good.
1: What, what I love about that song as well is like the kind of, again, it almost feels like Wes Anderson knew about this. There's like a history behind it that it was originally written by Jackson Brown. Yeah. Who was, Kind of like one of Nico's, like she kind of had a lot of toy boys back in the day when she was kind of like working out her solo stuff, and it, I there's and there's something about Nico that she has a very like, like Gwyneth Paltrow very much has sure. that, that's similar aesthetic and stuff like that, and it, it kind of like when you learn about that kind of stuff works on this kind not not a relationship that shouldn't be, but do you know what I mean? Like she's a she's a much older woman, kind of like. Almost like abusing her power. Of like, <laughs> oh, you're a young young songwriter. Well, I was in the Velvet Underground. Me like, let me let me st- yeah, let me steal your song. And then you've kind of got this Woody you- relationship in the Royal Tenenbaums of like brother and sister, yeah. like shit, or like even though she's adopted, like should that? Be what going do you think on? of the Jackson Brown version? I like it. I like it. It, it kind of doesn't have that austere kind of. Um, I don't know. There's something kind of ethereal about Nico's mm. voice that I think just kind of really sets it apart. But the Jackson Brown one, it it's one of those sad things where it's like that will always be like the kind of second yeah, place. Yeah, that's the, lot of the time Because it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah even though, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, I, I think
0: just because of how, on the face of it. How weird the Nico version is because I I, I mean I, we can argue that Nico I wouldn't say is a great singer, and she's got a mm-hmm. yep. but yep. her voice despite that has just got such a strange like power to it, and especially the way yep. the orchestration there and the strings and the kind of like the rawness of that um that electric guitar being played we usually have an acoustic guitar for that kind of tune but the fact an electric guitar and it's yeah there's something just like that that song kind of shouldn't work but it does so well yeah and and jackson brown does his version which is this more kind of i don't know it feels like that's what the song if that had come first they'd be like yeah that song's amazing it's beautiful but yeah he's (laughs) Uh, um sorry what's the uh what is the next uh hot mention yeah
1: we'll just throw we'll just we'll throw out a few just i'll rattle through a few so we've got the um the Kinks track that we get in um, Rushmore when Bill Murray's throwing ping pong balls into the pool, which is nothing in the world can, uh, uh, yeah, nothing in the world can stop me yeah. worrying, uh, which I think again like perfectly encapsulates that kind of the feeling of the character in that moment. And uh, there's a big shout out for um, the Sue George stuff on, on on the Life Aquatic, which I'll just play a little bit of Life on Mars. What I always love about the Sujours tracks on that is apparently he changed the lyrics to to actually talk about what was going on, <laughs> like in the film and stuff like no that. Way. So like, obviously, if you if you, if you're Portuguese that, that or like understand Portuguese or yeah, you you can you can you get another dimension. That's, to, that's great to what is going on. He's just kept them obviously within the same <laughs> the same framework. Oh my god, that's that, that's great. I'm gonna have to read the translations. That's really awesome. And that that leads me to the next one. So it's Jack Gregson of the Truly Happily Madison podcast. What up, uh, Jack said: "Queen bitch" from the yeah. end of. Life Aquatic, which again is another perfect kind of like stomping out, like and the way that film ends with the kind of kid on his shoulders, and then we get that scene of them walking down like the jetty to the boat and stuff like that, has that feeling. And yeah, it's it's one for me. I remember changing that was my ringtone for a while, like just for that.
0: And it's it's another kind of like (laughs) it's not in the it's not within the world of the film. It's not within the world of the film. Within the film, it's this. It's mm-hmm. this other, like, staged event for us kind of thing, mm-hmm.
1: which is, yeah, really
0: beautiful about that.
1: Another one, yeah, so uh, Sam, uh, I'm not sure what the surname is, but she said gut feeling, which, again, I think is a, a perfect needle oh, drop yeah. in a Wes Anderson film. We've obviously talked about it. Um, and then Liam H. Dempsey said basically all the tracks used in darjeeling limited in particular strangers at the funeral yeah, that's beautiful which yeah i i, I love that and uh i'm trying to think what's the what's the uh what's the track that's played as he's running for the boat in that uh running for the um the this time tomorrow this time tomorrow yeah that's uh that is
0: such a drop <laughs> once again it's it's something that it feels like it was written for that movie. Yeah. It's it's genius to choose that piece of music.
1: Yeah, well, because the, the the soundtrack is basically, um, Sajit Ray, like, uh, yeah, uh, Sajit. It's like
0: Sajit Ray movie soundtracks, and then three tunes from Power Man. Uh, Lola versus the Power yeah, yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's like it's like yeah, the, like that perfect blend, like works, works amazing, uh, uh, amazingly well. Yeah, that's. I think that's it for for what people said, and I think like um, it well, it perfectly leads us on to uh, does it? Well, you're number one. Um, I've got to admit that your your number one pick for needle drop is a song. Ah, actually, before we get to that, there's a point I kind of brushed upon earlier, which is that thing of music becoming hack, and Jack Gregson also admitted like it's probably a bit basic but the needle drop of needle in the hay the elliot smith song in um the royal Bounds.
0: that's an interesting one because that feels like even though it fits in so well it feels like the one contemporary piece of or contemporary to the time mm-hmm. piece of music as opposed to the um <clears throat> like 60s 70s rock yeah. that is generally used in his movies and I I don't know. I wouldn't say that's hack. I think that's still, it's, yeah, it's outside the regular remit of Drops for His Movies, but I think it's a really, I mean, Elliot Smith, man, like if just, if you want to talk about writing, like unbelievably excellent and so depressing music, then that's your guy. That I totally, um, I, I and I think it just, yeah, it, it fits. It fits. I, 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 It took me a while to get into Elliot Smith. There was one of those situations where I went to college with someone who really, really liked him. I didn't really <laughs> get on with that person that well. So I associated, I was like, well, if Elliot, Elliot Smith must must suck because if, if, um, if this is his, uh, his demographic, um, but only a, like a number of years later, did I really get into him and thought i have been missing out the entire time but i guess there's always like a there's always a certain time where a mix of your um you know the things you're listening to come to a point where you discover someone because you're ready at that time but um but yeah uh it's not it's not my favorite it's smith song but i think it's i think it's a nice choice so, i really do
1: i think to the point of it like becoming hack it's that thing because it just works so perfectly within the film and it's like become almost like synonymous with that moment in that film is what Hmm. i think like is the and obviously feel free to correct me anyone listening if like especially jack it's your pick because obviously i'm gonna uh i don't know summise and kind of put words in your mouth but is that thing because it works so well that and yeah that that kind of melding of the, the visuals and the sound and stuff like that is what makes it hack a bit, right? Is the thing of like, if you go, oh, needle in the hay and it's like that thing of like, oh, it's just, uh, it's just the Wes Anderson. You only know, you only know Elliot Smith because of Wes Anderson type yeah. Thing, yeah, Almost like borders on the like, posery aspect of it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. If you said, I really like uh, me and Julio down in the schoolyard. It's like, oh, do you know that? Because your dad had a,
0: Oh, someone's watched well ten and yeah, Bound yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's
1: like oh, no, no, no. My, I, I, I'm telling you, my, my dad I had a Paul Simon on twelve inch when I was a kid. Like, trust yeah. me, trust me. He used to play it every day, all day. <laughs> so loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's actually really, really difficult growing up. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I know. I guess, I guess it's because when, when something becomes, I get perhaps in the same way that when kind of like a a pop song is so popular. That it's everywhere, um, then it becomes almost a bit like, oh, why are you playing that? It's been, it's, it has, it's, 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 it's like an Icarus thing. It's flew, it's flown too close to the sun, done too well, and then you just don't want to hear it anymore. Perhaps there is an aspect of that with these really kind of iconic needle drops, where it becomes like a bit of an, yeah, becomes a bit obvious, Mm -hmm. you know, both within and outside of its context, because it's like, oh yeah, we just know it because it was in this Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I get it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but I think once again, even even though this, this might not be the, exactly the point, but even these very yeah these tracks that become kind of kind of hack, they're one they are actually amazing tracks, mm-hmm. and two it's def- they're all kind of like really good looks at perhaps an artist's
1: lesser known catalog. Yeah, and. And almost, like, delving into what Mm. possibly is the intent of, like, the the songs themselves and the kind of deeper meanings Mm. and kind of using, like, with that Elliot Smith song, I know he's, like, a very troubled guy and stuff like that. Like, so, like, do you know what I mean? Like, delving into that um, meta-textual, like thing to like as soon as you hear like for a lot of people as soon as they hear Elliot Smith they're gonna immediately be brought to a time like it feels like music that like when you're feeling a bit down you're going to listen to so like it's 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 clever and it's like also disgustingly manipulative at the same time that they've gone, (laughs) do you know what we've got we've got an attempted suicide on screen. Let let us wheel out the Elliot Smith, but it's, it, it it fucking yeah, works. We are the guy who killed himself. Exactly. Let's, yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Let's try and try to kind of squeeze every little ounce of emotion out of these poor viewers so they can really empathise with this character. I'm trying to go for
1: that Oscar, guys. Come on, come on. Wheel out that <laughs> Elliot Smith. Um. And the Oscar goes to Luke Wilson. <laughs> I repeat,
0: Luke Wilson. Luke, where are you? Oh. Um, Uh, i wonder if he he uh kind of has that playing in his mind at his darkest moments um
1: well um talking of sadness yeah i wanted to say that there's something beautifully sad about your number one pick for your needle drops and like even like since you sent me over the list of your, your your choices it's a song that like no matter where i am i'd like kind of i want to cry and like, it, it sends shivers up my spine. Um, so yeah, tell us what your pick is, Adam.
0: So the final Needle Drop pick is Friday Afternoon's uh, Cuckoo uh, by Benjamin Britten. And this is at the end of Moonrise Kingdom when um, Sam is climbing out of Susie's window to go and see uh, Bruce Willis, uh, go and be picked up by Bruce Willis. And it's just... It's one of those as well where it's hard to put it exactly. My I almost don't want to over intellectualize it. Even as a musician I could probably delve in and be like, "Oh, this kind of chord change with this melody means that you're going to be a, it's going to evoke a sad feeling, etc." But I think there's just it's just like melancholy to the absolute core. There's so much beauty to it and yet so much sadness. And I think the lone kind of like uh young like boy singer um just speaks to that i don't know that innocence and loneliness in such a beautiful way it's yeah i i i wish i could uh (laughs) be more articulate about why this piece of music just hits really hard in a really beautiful way but it, it just does i think just listening to it does put yeah it's like it's like like bottled melancholy yeah but
1: it's a piece of music that speaks for itself Something hauntingly beautiful about whatever is sung after August, like when it kind of like <laughs> yeah. it jumps up. Do you know what I mean, it almost like jumps up an octave, and it, I have no idea yeah. what they're what what he's singing, but it's just like that is a moment where like yeah, like I, I, I get a shiver down my spine, and it's that yeah. It's I
0: think also it's because it's being sung from the perspective of a I can imagine a tiny bird. Mm-hmm as well it's just that fragility as well and i think i think i i, I said it was a, a single um boy singing it i think it actually sounds like it's a group i, I forget i keep forgetting because it's just such a beautiful piece of music when i listen to it it's just it like transports you but yeah there's such kind of like delicacy and innocence about it with that very you know that very sad uh like descending chord progression but it's just yeah it's just that I guess like melancholy, but like really, really beautiful melancholy is especially after I think where Anderson is. Of all things, uh, of, I mean, amongst all things, he knows how to end a movie. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows how to do this kind of like bringing together kind of thing of. Yeah, it feels like the uh, same thing we talked about with uh, Champs Elysees. There's an aspect of like everyone being brought together in the end. And I think there's something about that with this piece of music as well. It's kind of that feeling of coming home and home might not be this like beautiful, rosy, amazing, perfect thing, but there's still a feeling of like coming back to oneself or coming back to those around you. And this song is just in, no, it would be good to kind of like do a playlist of kind of ending songs of Wes Anderson Anderson movies. Because there, 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 there is just that feeling of, yeah, arriving somewhere.
1: What, what that song perfectly does is plays to the like melancholia that we kind of like get throughout the film. Because like you don't know, you kind of get a glimpse of what could happen next, or Sam and Susie. Because obviously, like their their relationship is mirrored in Mrs Bishop and officer sharp in that thing of like they could just grow up to like drift away and then she marries like a a, a, a bill murray type and that kind of like unrequited love kind of lost love and stuff like that and like i think it perfectly captures that thing of having all that optimism of first love and kind of being a teenager but then also like there's going to be heartbreak, like whether it's just life itself or kind of romantic heartbreak in the future. And I, I, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music.
0: Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's not much else that can be said. I think no, it's,
1: it is. It is a piece of yeah. music that really speaks for itself. And I think it is that. Yeah, thing absolutely. Of like, I, I, I implore people, I, I imagine a lot of people probably would have like, heard that snippet and been maybe pause to podcast or listen to it and if you haven't do listen to the whole track and then
0: yeah it's so it's really short as well it's just such a beautiful little piece and we will be performing it live as part of oh. our program for Wes Banderson yeah.
1: so, uh... amazing well um yeah let's get on to your final pick and wrap this bad boy up what is your number All one right. score cue
0: my final pick <laughs> the uh the best my favorite piece of one of my favorite pieces of music ever created and the reason that i created uh wes banderson <clears throat> was to by the way just to touch on the name i i actually wanted to call it like the wes anderson film orchestra or the wes anderson orchestra something really <laughs> kind of pompous like that and my and uh, my friends were just like "Wes banderson uh, i think it's, it's like uh like josh gurner in particular like an awesome um uh filmmaker was like just call it wes banderson I'm <laughs> like no no could I call it the wes anderson film or was like no just call it wes banderson it's <laughs> like okay fine i'll just call it wes banderson i don't know if I, I don't know if i can legally call it anything else anyway so
1: yeah I d- <laughs> so
0: where's where's banderson it is and i'm glad i did because it definitely it definitely rolls off the tongue
1: yeah and I, I i've kind of like off the back of that like that like pun on obviously anderson like whenever i talk about the the post darjeeling limited like era of his career it's wes landerson now for me because it almost feels like a kind of like disney theme park world that he's created (laughs) all his characters live in (laughs) okay i mean you you you. You could imagine yeah totally. somewhere in like italy do you know what i mean it's like uh you can see the vice piece now it's like where's anderson theme park open do you know what i mean like Smoke cigarettes yeah. like Margot Tenenbaum, and get lost down some rapids like Sam Chukowski, Sh- or get chased by some made-up oh, Nazis like yeah. Budapest Hotel.
0: There's like pink Chesterfields everywhere. Exactly. You yeah, can yeah. Sit on and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that? That's really good. Where's Landerson? Yeah. um oh, Yeah. What, maybe it's a separate comment. Another co- separate conversation to really kind of like delve into all the particular areas why it's there's a difference in tone or feeling but anyway as uh, one might imagine i'm not entirely excited french dispatch but i'm obviously going to go and watch it at the cinema and give it my money but yeah i it looks like it looks a bit more like more of the same but well, there you go
1: it, it's kind of perfect because this conversation got um like postponed and it's just had its london film festival premiere and a lot of the word coming out of that is like there's very much two camps on it there are people going this is shit and there's people going this is where's anderson <laughs> at his best and like m- sure my my i i'm obviously going to watch it because it's going to be covered on the podcast at some point because it's co-written by roman coppola and it's uh and Jason Schwartzman and obviously Jason Schwartzman's in it. Like I'm excited for certain aspects of it. Like Angelica Houston is back in a Wes Anderson film, I think as a narrator, but at least she's there. Like, and the cast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's almost at the point now, like anything he puts out of, I've got to go see. the Yeah, of course. I like it. By the way, when
0: he said Roman Coppola, my brain Uh, went to Noah Baumbach and I realized you, said Roman Coppola, but that's why well, I for yeah. The No and Mac stuff is the the best stuff for me. Um mm-hmm. uh but um but yeah. Uh yeah, I I'm I I I am gonna go and watch it obviously and like see how I ever try to kind of like suspend any kind <laughs> of like Well, it's not it's not old, where's Madison? I'm just gonna go in here and being pissed off already. <laughs> um but but yeah. Um so uh this final <laughs> pick is <laughs> uh man i think there's something that so the inflated self of this the inflated sense of self-importance is just so perfectly done in this track it's i mean there's 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 like facial expressions that i can do which kind of like <laughs> signify it which is is perfect for this audio medium um but yeah it's just like um it's just so it's like it feels really serious and it's so not it's just so like fun and like silly uh but it's amazing as well i love this piece of music especially when it goes from the like the very kind of like electronic stuff at the beginning Mm -hmm. to the more kind of like orchestral um like small band stuff later on it's just i i cannot wait to play this live it's i'm really
1: excited to do it so this is ping island slash lightning strike rescue up And this is one, again, that um, perfectly melds, like you said about that switch between music that is created by the characters within The Life Aquatic and kind of yeah. Mark Mothersbaugh stepping in as a composer, right? Like, cause all yeah. of this you stuff- can
0: imagine You can imagine, like, Steve Zizou with, um, is it Wolodarski? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is the composer? Him being like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, roll
1: it back. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, put put it in the headphones. So, so what, like, what is creating that? Um, because it's got that, like, re- like if you listen to it on headphones and loud, it's got like what sounds like almost like I don't know, like, like old school drum machines going on, and this kind of like warbling bass as well. Do you like what what? Do you know what the kind of instrumentation is on this electronic
0: part? So I think, um, and i got this up here to remind myself, it's uh, the Oberheim two-voice analog synthesizer was a large part of the kind of like sonic creation uh, on this. Oberheims are so lovely sounding. Um, And I think there's like, yeah, a lot of really cool kind of like layered synth work happening in it um, at the beginning. And uh I guess I don't know what the drum machine is. It's maybe potentially like a Simmons. Mm-hmm. I need to look into it um to remind myself. Uh, I remember looking at it ages ago. It's either either a Simmons or like a nine oh nine. I think I used a nine oh nine uh machine to um uh for the demos. Amazing. Uh, and like the yeah. I think I think because it, it doesn't sound like an eight oh eight. Um uh and yeah, it's it's just, it's just really, it's just as like a piece of electronic music at the beginning. It's just really, really, really cool use of like uh, analog synthesizers that you wouldn't really hear that much, mm-hmm.
1: like outside of this. And it and it does that thing again where it messes about with motif, because obviously we get that like, dun, 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 dun. we get that kind of played on like, oh, the dun, dun, dun. kind of sounds like a, a synth kind of glitching out almost. And then that is like, Yeah, I
0: think it's got like a little like um uh it's got the arpeggiator yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. And just that I and mean, once again that's how I did it on there. I <laughs> I did two different layers, one with an arpeggiator and one without to get that.
1: But little little little, 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 little. and
0: then that and then when it comes to that yeah, that's sorry, that's
1: then replicated like via strings, right? Kind of like Yeah. Which ah it's beautiful. Like it's kind of yeah, it, it's fun. He's doing what like a composer would do for a whole score. <laughs> In one piece of music, right <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> totally, totally. It was really fun working out how to make that stuff work for live as well, just like getting um so for the violin um getting the uh the violinist uh I called Oscar asking him to uh get a delay pedal at like at the right bpm Amazing. so it's let like, slightly off it's like a i think in um in triplets against the actual tempo of the song and then hitting certain notes to get that little 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 that crazy sound so it, it this this song particularly was like an awesome puzzle to try and uh try and put together because of something out, outlandish um uh compositional decisions
1: yeah what was it was this kind of the track i think you talked about earlier like the kind of one where it's like if we can get this kind of down pat we can kind of work out the rest of it or was like was there a track for you guys as wes banson where it's like we need to if we can conquer this one then everything else would be a breeze
0: uh no i not not really i think I mean, the guys are just such the guys are just such ridiculously good musicians uh i'm I'm so like uh humbled mm-hmm. and proud to have them uh doing this like <laughs> vanity project for me <laughs> uh i don't know I'm, I'm paying them well um we luckily we i got funding from the arts council amazing um so that's that that's definitely helping out um But, uh, but yeah, no, I think they're, they're all like, they're all very capable at at doing it and there's, there's going to be.
1: Well, more for you. Was that, was there one where you're like, if I can figure this one out, then it will be like a, a bit of a breeze. Do you know what I mean? When it came to that demo. I mean, like to, to be honest,
0: I actually, I got a lot, I got a lot better at, um, uh, I, um, my brain has just gone <laughs> blank when you work out a trans uh Transposing? transcribing yes. transcribing i got a lot better at transcribing and um uh orchestration from doing this project Let's so that at the beginning i was just like i can't hear what that piano is doing i have no idea <laughs> i'm gonna have to ask i have to ask miles and miles was like i've already done i'm, I'm finished I, <laughs> like this, this, this is not my job. I was like oh, fuck, I need to do this myself. So um, so there were there were a few tracks where I was like, I, I can't actually hear what's going on here. It's beyond my ability to work out these chords. Um, but through doing that, I've definitely gotten a, a hell of a lot better at um, uh, yeah, that that kind of like tra- uh, transcribing kind of like larger groups of instruments, mm-hmm. and also then arranging that for six because there's six of us. So it's taking a lot of these pieces and working out okay there's six of us obviously only one person can play one instrument at a time except for if you're on a keyboard instrument which means you've got two hands that can kind of do stuff uh so how does this all work between six people kind of swapping instruments yeah so um yeah like obviously this one was a challenge to work out some of the faster bits Mm. but yeah i think um I'm, i'm really excited about people seeing what we've what what we've been able to do as a as a six piece with this stuff amazing well um
1: it perfectly leads me on to saying yeah where can people find out about Wes Banson and where you guys are playing in the upcoming future
0: so uh for those in London we have a show on the 7th of December at St Matthias Church in Stoke Newington um, and for those in Brighton on the south coast we have uh three shows uh on the fourth fifth and sixth the preceding days to the london show uh, of december at the old market in brighton slash hove um go to wesbanderson.com for tickets or uh, at wesbanderson on the uh socials uh yeah that's where you can find us and um yeah i think it's one where you're going to hear a lot of music that perhaps you don't really, (laughs) I guess, like cognitively, you don't kind of like recognize straight away, but you listen to it and you'll suddenly go like, Oh, that's from this section of this movie. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's it's fine. we've, we've kind of like taken that we've taken some stuff and done kind of like quite fun arrangements with it, added, taken a couple of like orchestral things and done more of like, like an up, like, like an up tempo, like jazz kind of mm-hmm. thing with it and all, so, yeah i think people will be pleasantly surprised with the
1: uh the, the the tune selection perfect well um yeah where can people keep up to date with you as well If obviously like you've yeah you've, you've released an amazing like ep recently and like oh, any more you. music you've got coming out in the future where, where can people so, find you
0: so yeah, find me uh, at Adams Naidi, A D A M Z N A I D I, if you like kind of like aggressive, like batshit crazy jazz fusion and uh, <laughs> like thunder, like Thundercat meets Frank Zappa kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I've just released a, uh, an EP, which uh, going to take a listen, and I'm just finishing off a second one and. Yeah, there's some fun stuff in the old Pipe Lean.
1: Perfect, perfect, Well, So, uh, yeah. Adam, thank you so much for coming and chatting to me all about the music of Wes Anderson.
0: This has been so much fun, man. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. And yeah, I'm very much up for coming back and either doing a Nick Cage deep dive or another kind of like Coppola Collection deep dive.
1: Oh, oh, I will I will sizzle it right here. Adam will be returning for. I guess something that ties slightly into the Wes Anderson camp. Let's think of a a short uh, Coppola, uh, California writing uh, Wes Anderson. Occasionally moustached. Yeah. He cut his teeth on a Wes Anderson film. You can piece it together, guys, but Adam will be back. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, uh, yeah,
0: thank you very much. And uh, thank you to all your listeners for making it this far.
1: A massive thank you to Adam for coming and chatting to me all about his picks of Wes Anderson music. Um, yeah, just going to reiterate as well. Um, go check out Wes Anderson. The clips they've put up on socials are fantastic. For a six-piece to kind of create the music they've created and kind of rework these songs to fit that kind of uh, dynamic is phenomenal i will certainly be there either at one of the brighton shows or the london show to check them out in the flesh but uh yeah i can't wait um and i I really hope you enjoyed this if if you missed out on that tweet i put out and uh want to throw in some of your picks or your your opinions on wes anderson films or especially the french dispatch please do please uh here we are on all the social medias so that is twitter instagram facebook and Letterboxd, all at the at <laughs> caged in pod or you can drop me an email which is caged at gmail.com if you want to go long form you want to really go long on it you really want to put the boot in say this is what i think is bad about what you're doing over on that there podcast some I'm always happy to hear it that's uh, what, what, what you want to do. Um, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can. You can either buy me a coffee, which is ko fi.com forward slash caged in pod, and you can just chuck me £3, £2, whatever you want. You just want to buy me a one off coffee, that would be great. Or if you want to do an ongoing payment, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod where you can get some bonus chats every now and then all about Nicolas Cage when we talk about the couple of films or or and and I should not all. <laughs> there will be a new podcast starting very very soon essentially it's going to be like a uh, a sister podcast this but exclusively with Patreons called movie brat bros where I'm looking at the films of Brian De Palma, Martin Scorsese, William Friedkin, Spielberg, George Lucas, the list is, the list is pretty long and kind of uh, putting them up against Francis Ford Coppola and yeah, have it, having a bit of fun with that, kind of looking at that, that, that school, that kind of uh, graduating class of, of cinema from that time and how they compare to big boy Francis himself. Uh, as for next week on the podcast, I've got a mammoth chat with Liam H. Dempsey of the fantastic Spotlight podcast, all about Rocky free And Liam does not disappoint. He comes in heavy. He comes in hard. He comes in swinging with an absolute dynamite, dynamite fan theory about this and the Dark Knight Rises. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, it's possibly one of my favourite episodes of the podcast. It's kind of... Uh, the, the episode itself has this brilliant kind of third act twist that, that, that in the room kind of blew my mind and hopefully will blow your mind as well. So do be sure to check that out next Tuesday. So as ever, guys, I have been Petros Syllabus, your guide through the crazy world of the Kobler family tree. Remember And they partner with factories that prioritize safe,
0: ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com/slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Caged in Copa Connections, a Driptown Limery Main